0: Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Well,
1: you may be seated, church. Welcome to Legacy Church. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Tony, and my wife, the, the beautiful lady that just led us into worship, and I, were the lead pastors here, and let me just tell you, I think there's a special present for you in heaven if you made it to the first service on Labor Day weekend. Come on. You know, Labor Day weekend, it's like your last shot at getting out in the mountains or going camping, and no offense to all the people that didn't come to church today, but I hope they get rained out. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm teasing, but man, uh, if you're a legacy member, you know that it's been a while since I've been here at the pulpit, and I just want to tell you, I'm just so excited. Uh, I want to thank you for for your grace over the last month as our family's kind of been dealing with some medical things and stuff like that, but I'm back, and I'm ready to rock and roll, and, and we're starting a brand new, and I'm excited that... I, <laughs> that you're excited that I'm back. I'm really glad about that. It's always risky when you put yourself out there, right? Um, but today, we're going to start a brand new series. Uh, it's been heavy on my heart for the last few months. Because uh, how many of you know that relationships are something you can't run away from? Right? It, it's, just, it's just the reality. So uh, play on words. Today, we're launching a brand new series that I'm calling Relation Tips. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I was thinking about this, you know, for a while. And, and, and I thought, man, where Where do I go for the best advice? And guys, check this out. This is why they pay me the big bucks around here. I went to the Bible. And uh, I I know that when it comes to relationships, things in life can get messy. Things in life can be enjoyable. But I want to preface everything I say today with this. In, In the book of Genesis, way back in the beginning, in the third chapter, in the 18th verse, after God has begun to create things and everything is good, he finds that there's one only and only one thing that isn't good. And he says, it's not good for man to be alone. And he, he wasn't just talking about a relationship between uh, a married couple, but he knew God, the triune God who relates us, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit knew that you and I needed to be in a healthy relationship with one another. And so my goal with this series is that we would be able to not just get a perspective of, of human relationships, but a heavenly biblical perspective of what a healthy relationship first with God looks like and how that bleeds out into our everyday relationships. Um, the, the, the problem, though, is that how many of you know people are difficult sometimes? <laughs> it's, okay, it's okay to be honest in church. Help me out. How many of you know sometimes your mother-in-law can be a little difficult? If she's in the room, just kind of nod at me, okay? <laughs> Right like how many of you know that you don't always agree with everything your brother has said right you don't always agree with what your sister said and come on kids and youth in the room how many of you know you don't always agree with what your parents say right like, it, it, people are complicated, we are messy, we can be difficult at times, we're sinful. And, and for, for generations now, humanity has been asking the question, what's the silver bullet to a healthy relationship, right? Like, uh, and hopefully you came to church today looking for some answers in some areas. And, and, and you guys, I have found, I know it's a big statement, but I have found the silver bullet to relationships okay you guys ready for this reaching the seat back in front of you right now or in the front row pull uh, out under I want you to reach there okay what'd you find what'd you find did you find them there there's your silver bullet <laughs> this morning this morning, you guys, you came to church and you're like, it's got to be everybody else. So I want to talk to you today from the subject, it starts with me. It starts with me. I want, you, I want you to grab that mirror. I know it's not very big. That's what the budget allowed for, okay? <laughs> grab that and, and, you look, and you go, you look at that mirror, you go, it starts with you. It starts with you. Would you open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 22? And very, very famous scripture here. And before you kind of tune it out, I want you to open up your heart. And just as as our previous lead pastor used to say, you approach the word of God as if you've never approached it before. Right? So let's approach the word of God with a brand new take. And it says this. In the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 36 through 40, it says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? So Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God. Look at all these elements with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally as important to love your neighbor as yourself the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Uh, but, by the way, did you notice that the question here is which is the most important commandment? He, he's asking a singular question. And just like Jesus, you get more than you bargain for. He goes, no, no, these are the two commandments. Right. Yeah. You notice that? You ever come to Jesus expecting something and you get way more than you bargained for? That's the God we serve. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, right now in Jesus' name, I pray you'd open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our ears. Lord, help us as always, as we always pray. God, help us to not just be hearers, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. One of the famous sayings that we have around our home as as we raise five children with five different personalities, five different destinies, five different futures, as I say that, I just feel the weight of the world on my shoulders come upon me more and more. Come on, parents, help me out, right? One of the things we, that's commonly said around our house, you know, because how many of you know that five children are five different personalities, and then you throw in the parents' personalities, and by the way, I look at my kids and I go, I have no idea why they're not quiet, calm, meek little children. <laughs> One of the common things we like to say around our house is, who are you in charge of? Right? Because what we always hear is, mom, so-and-so did this. Mom, so-and-so is doing this. Dad, they're doing this. And my, my answer every time is, so-and-so, who are you in charge of? I want to ask you today, who are you in charge of? What's the only thing you can actually control? Well, what's actually in your hands to do? You see, I believe when it comes to relationships, we must learn that there's a progression and it begins with us. You see, I believe that, 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 that we have allowed this mentality that it must be everyone else seep into our culture so much that it goes even into the smallest of details. For example that person got me sick. No, it couldn't be the fact that you don't sleep well, that you don't eat well, that you don't exercise. Right? It's everyone else's fault that they got you sick. Right? It could never be, uh, I don't take care of my temple. Right? Right? Or a lot of times, you know, they pulled out in front of me and and I get it. Sometimes, you know, there are people out there, right? It couldn't be that you weren't attentive or maybe it couldn't be that you were looking down, looking at your phone, right? You see, I, I want us to be able to be willing to take a cold, hard look at ourselves because I know, and I know that even in my examples right now, I'm generalizing here. But here's, here's what I know, is that God's design and desire for us is to have healthy, God-centered, honoring relationships. And can I just tell you that? That's never going to happen if we don't get the progression that the word of God clearly lays out. And if we're constantly looking to others and why things are on them, I'll tell you we're going to suffer in relationships more than we should. So let me tell you, it starts with you. I do want to also say that my intent with this entire series is not that you and I become perfect and now we expect perfection from everyone else. Right, like the reality is this: is Jesus Himself says we're going to have issues among us, right? But, but my point, my heart in this series is that you and I would have a healthy perspective, so that come what may. We have Jesus as the center of our relationships. He's our barometer. He's our thermostat. He's where we center ourselves to. Because again, he doesn't promise us a perfect, pain-free life. Come on, married couple, say amen to that. But he does promise to become our compass for every season, right? And for every specific situation, he empowers us to live out his love. And so we got to look at some things that come first. And like I said, I believe it starts. With us, so let me give you three foundational keys this morning as how they pertain to how it begins with you. Number one, it begins with my love for God. Healthy relationships begin with my love for God and my understanding of what that love looks like. Matthew 22 37 through 38 says, Jesus replied. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. By the way, Mark's account adds in also your strength. And it says, this is the first and greatest commandment. Um, let me just tell you, this phrase here was actually repeated twice per day by devout Jews in that time. So this, Jesus is appealing to a devotion. He's appealing to a group of people that have devoted themselves, much like the book of Acts, chapter 2, describes the, you and I as those that devote themselves. This is, he's speaking to a group of people that twice a day they would repeat to themselves, I'm called to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, mind, and strength. Here's what I'm getting to when it comes to your love for God you and I are called to complete devotion not occasional happenstance we are called into a covenant commitment not casual customs oh man if you were taking notes you should have written that down that was good by the way that's good preaching I don't know if you know this but this is good preaching right here so I don't know if you caught it but let me say it to you again We're not called to occasional happenstance. We're called to complete devotion, which is not casual customs. It's covenant commitment. So when it comes to my love for God, I've got to understand I am called to not this occasional thing where I kind of do my thing and then I sprinkle God into it kind of do my thing I live my life and I make my decisions based on kind of my life experiences and just kind of like who who I think is got like some good insight and stuff by the way that's all good and then I kind of just like after I make the decision then I ask God to bless it right no it's God is at the center of my devotion and my affection is that my eyes are fixed on him, and so I'm called to love him with my heart, with my soul, my mind, and my strength. By the way, the original language here actually simply, simply put, simply says your whole self. Your whole self. So this idea of my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, it means I am a whole person and with my whole being, I love God. Now it wouldn't be Tony's back in the pulpit without me challenging you a little bit. So let me challenge you a little bit. I, I, I would venture to say how many of us are actually loving God with our whole being. And I love you enough to say, hey, I admit there's times in my life I find myself, God, you have access to this, but you don't have access to that. Your love, God, it can flow in this area, but I'm going to hang on to this one for a while. Or you know what, God? I'll love you when things look like this, but man, I'll tell you what, God, living out my love for you, I'm going to withhold it if, if, if this is happening. It's not a casual happenstance. It's a covenant commitment. Man, that'll preach for days, by the way, in your marriages, in your relationships, in your relationship with God. But we're not there yet. We're talking about our love for God. This idea of heart and soul is actually an expression of my affection, my convictions, and my commitments. So God, I'm going to love you with my affection. My convictions will line up with my love for you. And my commitments will reflect my love for you. By the way, when it comes to loving God with our mind, you and I both know this. If you read the New Testament, you know Paul tells us we've got two options. We can either be conformed or we can be transformed. Right? Right? So when it comes to loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, when it comes to our mind, you and I have a choice. We can be conformed to the way of this world or we can be transformed. But my question to you, my friend, is how will we be transformed if we don't know his truth? We will simply be conformed to the ways of this world unless we know and love his truth. Which is why in the book of John, chapter 14, verses 15, Jesus himself says this, that if you love me, you're going to obey my commandments. And some of you right now are feeling pretty overwhelmed. You're going, wait, wait, Is he talking about all 600 and plus, you know, uh, things that are, that, are in this, uh, that are in the Bible? Is he talking about the law of Moses? Is he talking about, well, you mean everything? Here, here's what I will tell you. How are you and I ever to understand his love for us? And how are we supposed to ever love him if we don't even know what he commanded? Right. It's true. That's it. That's right. So we're going to know what he commanded... And I know you guys, I know I'm going to lose half of you as I say this, because you're going to go again and I'll go again. This is why being in his word and being faithful to his word is crucial, my friend. This is another sermon for another time, but I'm going to open up a quick parenthesis here. I think we have swayed so far, swung the pendulum so far to go, well, this isn't religion. This is a relationship that we have forgotten that actually this is a religion. Like, there is a way we relate with our God. There is a custom, there is a reverence, there is a step. Yes, it's in relationship. But my friend, when we throw out the customs that have withstood the test of time, And it's not custom for custom's sake. It's truth for truth's sake. When we throw out and we go, well, and and then we code it. in. And by the way, you guys know this. You know hope for all. You know I'm a Jesus guy. You know I'm a grace guy. You know all that stuff. But when we use grace, for example, as an excuse Mm -hmm. to not be in his word and not know his word. My friend, hear me on this. How can we love him? Mm -hmm. How can we love him? We love him by obeying his commandments but we don't know his commandments because we're not in his word. So my friend, I I want to encourage you. My wife says it this way. You've given yourself the permission. Now remove the permission. You've given yourself the permission to not be a devout word person every day of your life. Okay. Now remove the permission. You've given yourself the permission to no longer re- revere the word of God. Now remove that permission. That's good. But By the way, I do have to say something about the word of God. And ooh, I hope I didn't lose you in my previous point because this is going to be a banger. Look at this. I don't go to his word for information merely. I go to his word for Transformation. Okay, I go to His word for transformation, I go to His word for impartation. I don't address the Word of God for mere information. Right. And, I, and you've met mm, I hope I don't offend you, but I hope I do. You've met those kind of folks. Yeah. They can argue you out of whatever argument for the sake of argument's sake, because they know the Word of God with mere information. Right. Right. And can I tell you it's a dangerous line? Why is it that there are people out there in the name of God doing acts that have nothing to do with God's heart? Because we've separated God's love from his word. And to separate his love from his word is a dangerous thing. To separate his love from his word, it means I go to it for mere information and for argument's sake and to prove where I'm right and where where you're wrong. But when I approach the word of God, Lord, it's here to transform me. Oh, I, I hope I'm preaching to somebody today. When I approach the word of God, no matter how long I've been walking with him, and I go, Lord, I want your word to mold me, transform me, break me if you've got to. Because I want to grow into the full stature of Christ Jesus. I don't want to be those people. And, you know, there's names for them out there. Let's just use Bible thumpers for an example, right? And they're going to say, this is what the word of God says. And they're going to slam it in your face and throw it up in your face. And they're going to do all these violent acts or whatever it is. Because they've separated the love of God from his word. So I go to his word for transformation and impartation. Uh, scholars would actually say in commentaries that loving God means I am training my will to follow His will no matter what the cost is. Again, I'm going to say that again. Scholars, scholars and commentaries state that loving God means I train my will to follow His will no matter what the cost. All right, that's, that's the... Now let me just break it down for you the Tony Nunez way. This is the way I would say it. If you get love wrong, you get his word wrong. And vice versa. If you don't get his word, you don't get his love. Right? If we separate love from the word, we'll get it wrong. By the way, I got to say this. His love you don't earn, you receive and respond to. Yes some of you're going uh, no tony i'm not trying to earn his love right i understand like I, I you know some of you have that understanding in your heart that god loves you no matter what Right, that there is this thing that even Paul describes, right, where he talks about how deep, how wide, right, like just it's it's vast the love of God. And and I personally, I, I align myself to some scholars and theologians that would argue that part of why we spend eternity with God is because it'll literally take an eternity to even grasp how deep, how wide His great love is for us. And so you might be sitting here today, and you might be going, Tony, don't put me in the category of the person that earns His love. Well, let me challenge you with this. I think. Your love earning comes out in how you make others earn your love. I don't think we have fully grasped God's love and how we don't earn it when we're the kind of people that make others earn our love. Which is a perfect segue into my second point today. Which is my love for myself. And I'm going to pause right here. Because there's two responses in the room. Yes, love myself. I am enough. And then there's the others that are like, hmm, self-love? I don't know about that, Tony. Matthew twenty-two 39. Don't worry, we'll get there. Because this is one of my favorite subjects right here. You already know this. 22, 39. A second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not talking about a worldly view of being in love with myself. I'm enough. I'm so brave. So I take bathroom selfies with the dirty mirror that no one wants to see. Come on, somebody. By the way, if that's what you're doing, just clean your mirror at least, like get the toothpaste off of that mirror. Nobody wants to see that nasty thing. I lost half of the older generation right now, that's okay. Be blessed in that you don't have to deal with that in your generation. Now I wanna, I, I know I've joked about this before and, and I don't wanna joke for joking's sake, but I, I, just, I wanna just clarify. I understand the intent behind statements such as you're enough, you're brave. Um, I understand the intent. But biblically speaking, the only thing and the only one who is sufficient is Jesus, yes. not you. Yes. My friend, you and I will never be enough.
0: Yes. That's right.
1: And I hope that this isn't an insult to you. I hope it releases you from trying to strive to, I've got to be enough. You will never be enough. But when you find sufficiency in Him and in His grace. Yes. Now, I'm not talking about enough enough is not the same as worth. Okay? So let me break this down. My love for myself comes from the understanding of my value. It comes from the understanding of how much I am worth. Um, How do you find the value of something? By seeing how much someone is willing to pay for it. Am I right? Right, which is why at a garage sale, something that is garbage to one man could be treasured to the other and they turn around and make thousands of dollars on eBay off of it, right? Man, I survived like that. I was a scrapper for years in my early ministry days. That is how I survived, y'all. And I want to ask you a question. If you want to know how much you're worth, have you looked at the price that God was willing to pay for you? This is what gets me, y'all. That God would look at us in all our brokenness, all our messed upness, all our messiness, all of our attempting to strive to be enough and to be brave taking bathroom selfies. And he'd go, I'm not going to send a teacher, a good person, just a prophet. He's like, I'm going to send myself. I genuinely was asked two weeks ago, Tony, when will you get off this Jesus thing? I kid you not. I'm not joking. And I'm like, you mean the foundation of why we are even alive today? And, and, and I get, not everybody's emotional and all these things that you use, the words you use to describe me, or as I describe myself, the chief of criers around here. But if you are not stirred in your deepest part, that God would look at you and value you so much that He would send Himself, and He who knew no sin became sin, so that you would become the righteousness of the Father, I just, I just want to call me, tell you, check your heart. If that doesn't move you, I had someone else ask me. Why do you do communion every Sunday? It kind of takes the meaning away from it. And again, it starts with you. If you are not moved with communion every time you approach the table, there's something in you. Yes. Is that okay to say? <laughs> 1 John four nine to ten. God showed His love so much that He would be willing to send by sending His one and only Son into the world, so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son as sacrifice to take away from our take us away take away our sins. Excuse me. So as I said, it's not a self love of I'm in love with myself. It's an understanding that my value is so great that God would send himself. So from this place of understanding my worth and my value, I can love myself to enough to number one be honest with myself. Remember it starts with you. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You got to be honest with yourself. Many of you have read Matthew 7. And it talks about the plank in your eye. I want to read to you the message commentary on this. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge in your own neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling road show mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. (laughs) Be honest with yourself. Maybe it's not just your wife, gentlemen. She won't. She is this. Maybe it's not just your husband. He won't. Girl, if you only know. It's my favorite voice to do. <laughs> Can you tell I was a theater kid? I was that awkward kid you couldn't pin down. I still am awkward. (laughs) I'm being honest with myself here. (laughs) Maybe it's not your spouse. Maybe it's not just that the treasure valley blew up so quickly and now everything's changing. Maybe it's not just whoever is or isn't in office right now. My wife just coughed. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe, maybe it's not the traffic in the town. Maybe it's your patience and lack thereof. I just I, I just want to help you out here. I, I'm telling you, we gotta be willing to be honest with ourselves. Maybe it's not everyone else. Maybe, just maybe. There's a smudge on our own face that we've got to take a cold, hard look at and get honest about. My friend, I want to free you from trying to cover up. I want to free you from the mask that you are pressured to put on. You can get honest. And I'll tell you, God loves it when you get honest. God ain't afraid of your honesty. God ain't afraid of your failures. He ain't afraid. He will help you face them right dead on in the eye. You want to know bravery? Face yourself in the mirror. Yes. You want to know sufficiency through the grace of God? Face yourself in the mirror. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Lord. By the way, this is why me as a pastor, I've been, I've been learning to be very careful when people, and by the way, if you came from another church, bless you, you're welcome here. Like, okay. This is why even in our in our pies with pastors we go, hey, if you came from another church, we don't really want to, you know, you to take the microphone and tell us all the terrible things that that church does or doesn't do and then tell us about all the wonderful things we do or don't do. Right? Like this is why I've been a little been careful and learned to be careful when somebody comes in and goes, Pastor, I've been to 10 churches in the last four years, and I'm telling you, there's something different about you. I really like you. There's nothing different about me. If you've been in, in 10 different churches in the last year, maybe the common denominator is you.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> nothing different about me. I'm still broken. Yes. Still need Jesus. Just like every other pastor in this city. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not calling out these pastors. They're bro- I'm just saying, I'm broken. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. All right, do, you, do you get what I mean by that? So like if you're here and that was you, hey, just repent from that. And just take a cold, hard look at yourself and let's journey together. Because yeah. yeah. maybe it's not just the church. Because I'll tell you what, I will eventually fail you. This church will eventually fail you. Yes. We are humans. Yeah. Just because I went to a restaurant that served bad pizza doesn't mean I stopped eating pizza. Your boy love pizza. <laughs> I just go to a different restaurant, right? <laughs> Number two, be willing to take a cold, hard look at myself. So I love myself enough to be honest with myself. I'm also honest enough to take a cold, hard look at myself. The psalmist gives us a perfect example in the book of Psalms, chapter 139, 23 to 24. He says one of the most gutsy. You want to talk about bravery? Brave prayers. Search me, O oh God. Man, you want the God that sees all things to search you? that's kind of scary. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only broken one in the room. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And don't just leave it at that. God, I give you permission to point out anything in me that offends you. And then don't just leave it at pointing it out, God, because you're too good to just point out my failures and let me be. Now I want you to lead me along the path of everlasting Practically speaking, I want to encourage you. This means being willing to sit with yourself in silence so he can actually point these things out. Mm -hmm. Another sermon for another time. But y'all, in 2023, Meridian, Idaho, when traffic is becoming worse and worse and everything else, you and I have got to learn to slow down and be with the Lord. Yes. Yes. And I'm not just talking about binging Netflix. That is not being with the Lord. Okay. Your soul. You want to talk about religion. For generations, believers, followers of the way of Christ have put into practice sitting in silence with God. We hear about meditation, meditating on scripture. We hear about, and it is not the weird, creepy thing that the world has twisted it to be. There is something to be said about you slowing down, yes. you sh- shutting up. Is that okay for me to say? It? Just you know, sh- shutting your mouth
0: <laughs>
1: and letting God go. I see this. I see that. I see this. I see that. I'm going to call this out of you. I'm going to pull this out of you. Come on, I'm minister this to you. And let me also say this. Sometimes you got a little too many voices in your life that are louder than the voice of God. I get, I get it. There's a ton of sermons in all this. Like I, I want to, to I teach you to hear the word of God, but let me throw out another book recommendation for you. Nathan Finocchio wrote a beautiful book on hearing God. Uh, just, it's called Hearing God by Nathan Finocchio. There you go. You guys know I'm careful about what books I throw out there. But we'll do a, a series on this. But you got to learn. To sit in silence and hear God's voice is the loudest voice. The third thing that I'm willing to do since I love myself enough is I love myself enough to now present myself, my whole being, as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to the Lord. I present my body now, understanding that I am the temple that houses his very spirit. I know in modern Christianity, we sway away from these kind of weird sounding things. But let me tell you, the truth doesn't change. You are a temple of the spirit of God. You house the very presence of God in you. And Romans 12, uh, 1 encourages us. It says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies. This isn't just your spirit. This isn't just your mind. It says your body to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the only true way to worship him. And we have a struggle with this at times because we go, nah, my body, my choice kind of a thing, right? And I'm not going to get into that. Mm-hmm. But like we think our life is our own is what I mean by that statement. Yeah, right. Like we, th- we think my body belongs to me. And-, and can I just tell you the truth of the heavenly realm and the spiritual realm is your body belongs to somebody. Yes.
0: Yes.
1: And it's either God or the enemy. There is no I own myself. guys, again, another sermon for another time. Paul teaches on this. We have now become slaves to righteousness. That means we belong to somebody. You are not your own. Guys, I hope this is good news for you. I hope this is good news for you. Because it hopefully takes the pressure off of you having to be your own master and letting God be your master. Letting God be your ruler. By the way, I got to balance everything I said out by telling you, and I, and I just I want to minister this into your life right now. This also does not mean self-hate. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to get real practical on you right now. Some of you are so hard on who you are and what you look like that it's offensive to the Master who created you. Yes. Yes. I just. want to encourage you and by the way we generalize this we go usually it's the ladies no right here your boy and i I, here's what i know about myself i'm just brave enough to actually be man enough to say that i struggle with this as well just like the ladies do that i look in the mirror and there's things i don't like right that uh, uh, this doesn't look good this looks out of proportion or this or i hate this about me and i'm telling you that is god's creation you're hating on So I'm not talking about a self-loathing and a, a self-hating because let me tell you if you are constantly down on yourself you will rarely be in a position of worship. Yes.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Romans 12 says to present my body and that that's what worship looks like. You want to know why you struggle to worship God? Because you're too busy spending time feeling down about yourself. So I love myself enough to understand my value. I love myself to understand just how valuable I am before God's eyes. But also, in my actions, I reflect that I understand my worth. So when I understand that, so here, here's, I hope you're getting the progression. It's not, because what I'm about to say, very practically speaking, it's not, I work out, I eat right, I do this so that I, no, no. It's as a result of understanding my value, and I'm going to give it to you very practically, that's why I take care of what goes into my body. That's why I take care of what goes into my mind. That's why I take care of how I train my body. Are you with me on this? Yeah. Yeah. As a result, you guys, I, I know some of you come to church and you just want ethereal heavenly things. Let me break it down for you. This is why it's good for you to know what's going into your body and to eat well and to nourish yourself well and to move your body and to exercise and and to understand what goes into your mind and what you're allowing on the TV screen to influence you with. I'm not saying be fearful of those things because greater is he that's in you that's in the world. But let me tell you that whatever you let in will eventually come out. Somebody who's in better shape than me eats better than me. Said once to me, Tony, you feel today what you ate yesterday. And I hope I don't offend some of you, but this is, and and I know this is a touchy subject for some of you, but like, and you don't have to confess this right here in church. I don't want to embarrass you, but like, have you ever experienced a hangover, right? Like you're not inebriated anymore that morning, but you're feeling what you did the night before. And some of you are going, oh, I've never touched... No, no, we do that in other ways too. Uh It may not be alcohol. It may not even be food for you. But it might be the conversations you're having. It might be where you let your mind wander. It might be the things that you let in from that TV screen. It might be that music you listen Again, I'm not calling, telling you, you've got to, you know, I grew up in an era where right now the youth pastor would go, now bring up your CDs with, with the hip-hop and the rock and burn them here at the altar, right? Not talking about that. Because there's some good music out there.
0: Yes, Great.
1: Are you, are you guys catching what I'm throwing down here? Okay, I'm almost done. We're going to land the plane in exactly seven-ish to ten minutes, okay? That means 20. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. This is what we know. Whatever we let in will eventually come out. If you don't believe me, we don't have time for it right now, so I'm going to just glaze over it, write it down. Matthew 15, Jesus does a beautiful job of teaching how what you let in will eventually come out. And third and final point, we're landing the plane, okay? So it starts with my love for God. My love for myself and now my love for others. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. as a second is equally as important. I love my neighbor as I love myself. Let me just say it to you this way. You will only love others to the extent that you understand the unmerited love of God for you. You will only love your neighbor to the extent that you understand God's unmerited love for you. There's also an order to this. There's an order even to the neighbor and to the others. Can I tell you right here, right now, your understanding of loving God will directly affect how you first love your spouse if you're married and your children if you're parents. Can I share a personal example? Is that okay? Yes. Okay. I didn't need your permission, but I still ask for it because I'm a gentleman. And also, by the way, I understand that every time I give a personal example, I run the risk of you looking at me differently. But I'm going to continue to do that because that's the only way I know how to preach, okay? Not very long ago, I came to realize In fact, I thought I had learned this lesson 10 years ago when my marriage was literally falling apart. But I've come to find out that I got to keep an eye on this. Especially in my position as a pastor where this is kind of the trap I can fall into that everyone else gets kind, graceful, joyful, encouraging Tony. Dare I say everybody gets the scholar, the lover, the healer, Pastor Tony, while my family was getting leftovers of Tony. While my wife was getting leftovers of Tony. While my children were getting leftover attention of Tony. I, I know we're a missional church, but let our mission be the result of what's happening in your home. Okay, I, I, know I, I know I quoted Pastor Ralph earlier, but I'm going to quote him again because he's in the room and it, it's, it's, it's happening. Okay? He used to say to me, your ministry will only go as far as your marriage can sustain it. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Now, all of you are called to ministry. Yes.
0: Yep.
1: Okay? There is another saying we like to say around here, there is no secular job. Ugh, I don't even like that word. There's only spheres of influence that you've been called into. Whether that's an Amazon, whether that's in a a financial facility, whether that's in a school, whether that's in this building working here, wherever it may be, whether that's a stay-at-home parent, you're called into ministry. But can I tell you, that's only going to go as far as the people that you directly affect. And I had to learn a hard lesson, and God continues to bring me back to this place. Of my love for him will directly affect the way I speak to my wife, speak about my, hear me on this, speak about my wife, speak to my children, and about my children. Oh man, I'm gonna preach for a second here today, and I'm just gonna encourage you parents. I understand parenting is hard, I'm right there with you, but quit calling your kids names. Quit saying they're just this, they're just that, they're just this. No. They're a blessing of God that has been entrusted into your hands for you to mold and raise up in the way that they should so that when they grow up, they do not depart from it. So no, he's just this. He's just that. No. I'm glad even babies are amening me this morning. Because she knows I'm talking about her. I think that's a baby girl. Okay, okay. I I saw the bow out of the corner of my eye. They're new here. I got to get that right. <laughs> the pastor called. Anyway. What I'm trying to say with this example is this, is God wants to empower you and I to love others based on the love we have for him. Yes. That's good. And the number one place that your love for God will show up, and it is unequivocally evident, is how you love in your home. Man, I just want to encourage you. Do not allow the culture of this world to distract you. And, and I'm going to go into this in this series. This is why this is just the first foundation. Friends are good to have. We believe in community here. All that stuff is great. I mean, we opened today with God said it wasn't good for us to be alone. But when friends and activities... And community become your escape and your distraction from the very thing that God has called you to. You take a healthy thing and you make it unhealthy. All right, so if you can come on up, would you open up your Bibles one last time today? Unless you're going to go and open them at home because you're an overachiever. Come on, somebody. I'm kidding. By the way, are you getting something out of this today? Okay, good. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Most of you know this chapter as the love chapter. Can I just jokingly say something to you? Uh, Paul, the writer of this chapter, didn't go, this one's for the weddings. (laughs) Okay? Because, like, this is what happens. There's certain scriptures that you and I are, we kind of have our filter for, right? If we're honest. This is why I said at the beginning, we approach the word of God like we've never approached it before. So some of you heard 1 Corinthians 13 13, and you go, ah, this is for the weddings. Paul didn't write this and go, this is for the weddings. If I could speak, this right here, I I hope this begins to package what I just said, right? I could have these great things that are external outside of me. But if in the heart of who I am, I don't have love, what's it for? I could speak in all the languages of the earth and of angels, but I didn't love others. Then I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And every parent of a drummer said, I get that. That was my boy on drums today. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understand all of God's secret plans and possessed all the knowledge, and if I had such faith that it could even move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I I, I have to the poor, and I even sacrificed my body, right? Just as Romans tells us, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then, my friend... The love I'm talking about is described. Love is patient and it is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Jesus help us. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. Come on marriages that are being restored. Come on, relationships that need reconciliation. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Part of what I get from this is love says, I want you to win. Love says, I'm going to believe the best for you. I, I, don't, I don't want to make an assumption about the kind of church you grew up in, but um, there was good and bad in the culture I grew up in, okay? There always kind of seems to be, right? One of the things was you, you dressed up for church. Like, you, I wouldn't be caught dead right now preaching without a suit and a tie and a black hanky to wipe my, 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 uh, my sweat. And for sure a Hammond B3 organ would be on the side, hyping you up. And I'd have to scream into a microphone a lot to get you guys to like say something, right? One of the things that I experienced a lot of time was like, things like this. Did you see so-and-so has yet another new suit? Oh, another new pair of shoes. know if that's love. <laughs> like can we be the kind of church where whether you're casual or not my god you look good yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin did you get new boots this weekend? Because those look good bro like look look at this man he's got the leather red wing iron rangers <laughs> This was on the spot, by the way, not in my notes, but I personally know he went shopping yesterday for those
0: boots.
1: (laughs) Ladies, girl, you look good. You're beautiful, girl. Girl, that dress looks good on you. Those new shoes, come on. That collection's growing, girl, you look good. That's okay, you don't have to express it in the hood way that I am doing it right now. (laughs) Do you get my point? We're like, this love that's being described is like, man, I, I'm looking for ways to compliment you, to see you win. I'm not jealous of your wins. I'm excited about your wins. Man, I hear your business is killing it, brother. Like, oh my goodness, way to go. Man, I heard you got another promotion. Uh, he, he must have, you know, really been manipulating the boss to get that promotion. No! Is that our hog group, right? Our, our, our black sheep guys. Did you get a new motorcycle?
0: Did
1: you get new pipes on that thing? Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe all things. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not jealous. I'm not boastful. I'm not prideful. I'm not rude. I don't demand my own way. I'm not irritable. I don't keep records. Right. I want you to win. I want to believe the best in you. I want to believe that your best days are ahead and it's not just some tagline that I say, but I believe it in my heart because I understand how God loves me, how I love myself and out of that overflow, I look at your life and I go I want you to win. Yeah. 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 This is why my friend, this is why and as your pastor, I got to get honest with you. Even more honest than I've been. This is why It's so hard to be the kind of church that values everyone. Because in a culture that cancels people, in a culture that goes only if you're the elite, only if you're this, only if you fit this mold, do you have a place? We must be the kind of people that God's love reflects in and through us in such a way that we go, I want you to win. I don't care who you are, where you come from, what you've done. Jesus help us. That's how we're going to end today. I want you to stand to your feet and I just want you to right now, where you're at, this is how we're ending today's service. You're going to ask Jesus for his help. Come on. Close your eyes. Begin to ask God right now for help. Jesus, I need your help. We need your help, God. We need your help to love you. We need your help To love ourselves, not in the I'm in love with myself kind of way, but in the biblical understanding of my worth, my value before you as a redeemed child of God. We need your help, loving people. God, we need your help in this series. Even as we write this series, God, we we need your help, God, to be able to understand, Lord, what it is that you want us to do. In the tricky situations, in the difficult situations, God, in the easy ones, God, teach us to be a community that loves each other, loves you. Help us to not get that progression also out of whack, that it begins with us, it begins with our love for you, it begins with our understanding of our love for ourselves, and that flows out into others. So God, now as we turn to a moment of response with you, I pray for everybody in this room, God, that you would speak to them, you would empower them, God, that your very spirit in this very moment, God,
0: would empower us to love the way you've called us to love in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com. Or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.